As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful 
herbal face food for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I have the great pleasure and privilege of being here today with my dear friend, Trevor Oswalt, who is really known as East Forest. He and I met on 11-11-11. Easy to remember. Easy to remember at a beautiful (laughs) event. And ever since then, we've been collaborating and uh, working together in any way that we can, both live and otherwise, so that we can enjoy each other's creativity, heart, company. I feel in Trevor, I have a real brother, a soul brother on the path and his music is unlike any other and I've used it. It is the, it is the background music for the Practice You podcast and I'm really honored to have you here. So thank you for joining me today. Oh yeah. It's always a pleasure to talk and I feel like we're all friends now. So it's, it's yeah. all good. Yeah. I'd love to start just by introducing you and your trajectory musically. So take the listener on a journey from how this all started for you and where you began. Started 10 years ago. I just realized I'm coming up on the the 10-year anniversary. And it all began actually with a very definitive moment. It's a story I've told before, but I'm sure most people haven't heard it. Um, But Hmm. the... uh, Basically, you know, for a lot of people, how they go through some trying to transition in their late 20s, Saturn returns, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that was happening to me in the way that like a lot of things were ending and falling apart, which was really frustrating and challenging at the time. But in that space, I wasn't able to see what was emerging. And I had been doing all sorts of other uh, (laughs) things in New York City, trying to get famous and rich in my 20s. And none of that was really happening. And so I was in a band that I was running and producing that was falling apart. Had an angry drummer who wanted to sue me and people were drunks, all sorts of problems. And so I started making music just for me and just for fun on the side with really no agenda. I was just making, I wanted to make instrumental music by myself that didn't involve other people. That was just about chasing a particular feeling. And... Mm. That feeling I was chasing uh, was something I had experienced at certain times with psilocybin, with mushrooms in my life. Right. Ran, ran just a couple times in my life. And it was a space of an infinite feeling, a space of oneness that I had stumbled into at times. And I had been listening to music in those experiences on the, uh, the mushrooms, psilocybin. And it was just amazing, but I had no teachers. I had no wisdom tradition to turn to. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to return to it. I didn't know anything other than it felt like home. It felt like a place I wanted to 
recreate. So I wanted to make music that I thought would help me get there and music that I felt would engender that feeling. Right. And I was just doing that on the side for, it took about a year, but it was, it was really something I really got into it just as a, a fun home side project. And simultaneously I was getting really into backpacking and wilderness spaces. So I, I was traveling up to the Adirondacks for the first time and backpacking and getting back into that world again from, you know, Boy Scouts. That was, I mean, I took a long break when I moved to New York from all of that. And just getting super turned on by spaces that were wild, like wilderness spaces that were just as they're supposed to be. And I was connecting to those spaces through the sound. And I would make field recordings of like the crickets at night at this remote lake or the wind going through the fall leaves. It, you know, sounds that I'm sure you felt this, like they give you a special feeling inside for a few moments, right? You just hear it's something. It's why I love your music. It's exactly, <laughs> it's exactly what brought me so deeply into your sphere when we met and I was immediately done. You know, I knew that I wanted you close to me forever for any oh, live event so that we can sweet. work together. I want you there. Well, you're bringing nature in. That's yeah. what you do. And it brings That's a so, sense of space. It's so special. Totally. Inside. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the nature field recordings were never like, a gimmick like I thought well this is what I'll do I just and I've had albums where there are none but it became like an instrument and more than anything I when I started playing with it it brought a sense of soul in. it brought the soul of that place in and it was so powerful so powerful that it almost felt like I was cheating like I would just throw oh, wow. on a certain landscape and I was just like wow this song just went to another level I mean that's is it that wow is that okay <laughs> and yeah yeah and long story short, I, for a year I did this and then I had an album and then I, uh, at the end of it, it was September 16th, 2009. And I wanted to honor that I had been inspired by uh, psilocybin. And so I thought, mm -hmm. okay, I'll, I'm going to take some. And it's not something I do regularly, you know, it's been years for me actually. But back then it was occasional, sort of a touch up tool. I took some mushrooms. Uh, I remember I went on a walk in Brooklyn Heights. I lived in Dumbo at the time, I, and I started to feel the medicine come on. So I went home, put on the headphones, hit play on the record, and my life completely changed. Completely, <sighs> it's the most magical moment of my life. Because what happened was, the psychedelic allowed me to forget. Like I couldn't figure out how I made the record anymore. I, I was now detached from this thing I was so close to because that part of my brain shut wow. down. Wow. And right. because of the field recordings, I was hearing everywhere I'd been that last year, all the places, people I'd talked to, my mother was in there, all this stuff. And the melodies were all woven together. And I was trying to write, make a record to engender this feeling. And it was. And all of a sudden, it was like what hit me was that my my it was like my my ego had or my soul had tricked my ego into making this little work of art to use as a tool in that moment so that I could transform into something new and Dude. i never it was so beautiful i was just i remember taking off the headphones and um i remember this vividly i stood up and the entire room <laughs> it was just like the matrix where the room was flexing 
and I, I said, I said a word and it just would echo into the space. And I was just like, I, I felt like it was like a, like a soul walk on or something. It was just, it was, um, mm-hmm. it was just profound. And so that was kind of it for me. I was done. I was like, I'm good. Like that served its purpose. Life is incredible. And then I, uh, I used it with my roommate and he had a similar experience. And then I used it with my partner. She had a similar experience. And then our dear friend started organizing circles and he's like, you got to do this in groups. And I was like, I don't know, man. And we, well, we, we built an experience out of that record, you know, so we could do it live for hours to hold space. And so that, and that's where we met. And then, and then we started going into yoga and all this other stuff. And then, yeah, here we are talking on a podcast. Wow. Dude, and at the time I had, you know, I was actually really keen on microdosing psilocybin. Mm, oh, really? Yeah, dude. It's, it's hard for me I to mean, do that, to be honest, because I've, I tried microdosing once on it, but it, it's like I feel so close to it that there was no micro. It was like, even though it was small, it just kind of took me into the space of ceremony in a sense. And I couldn't do emails well, that's, and things. That's what I loved about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah was that it was it made everything into a ceremony of a sort mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i felt like that was appropriate at that time for me yeah you know now i've been sober almost 5 years and i don't i feel like everything is a ceremony now yeah yeah <laughs> but i give that plant a lot of credit for the way that i see yes yes you know when i was um uh... As you know, I'm doing this record with Ramdas, and I asked him a question about psilocybin. And I heard that yeah, track already. It's amazing. It was a long-winded question about, oh, it's this the cultural winds are changing and scientific research and all this stuff. And and he just says psilocybin is my friend, is how he starts out, and he, he credits that that fungi with starting him on the spiritual path. But that that's what did it for him. And that's what opened everything, opened his heart and his mind, and then he was on his way. <sighs> it's powerful. I didn't realize it's so powerful. I didn't realize we were going to go here, but I have to. I have to really just tip my hat, take off my hat, <laughs> take off my coat. <laughs> you know, that was a really important part of my life, and that was a really um, uh, sort of a pivotal a part of my journey. Yeah, and I think, you know, something interesting to talk about, Elena, is that medicine and what it does for certain people, especially in the yoga world, because there is a bit of a divide. And and like in the Buddhist circles, the same thing. Um, and I don't think there needs to be. Uh, there's, there's a war of misinformation that's been going on for 50, 60 years, or maybe longer. And I think what's coming back full circle is recognizing some of these plants and fungi that are tools for us there for the bidding and that have been part of our history for millennia. And it's not about getting high and escaping at all. They're not addictive. They're not, yes, psilocybin's been used recreationally almost exclusively for us since 1960. But ayahuasca, who, who takes that recreationally, right? It, it's not even divorced from the ceremony itself. It's never left its own container. And I think psilocybin can right. have a similar future, especially if it has medical purposes that they're finding about addiction, anti-addiction capabilities and, and 
how it works with depression and, and who, who knows what else. And I think they should do the research. I will say, just to close this, this, this sort of aspect of the conversation, I will say that any time that I was um, tinkering with, you know, visiting with that medicine, I didn't want cigarettes. <laughs> I didn't want marijuana. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have to just, it just dawned on me that that's true and I had to just mention it. The work with Ram Dass is something that I want to focus on with you because I feel very strongly that I'm floored that we're old enough to have that sort of connection, mm -hmm. first of all, to him. The accomplishment is so, it's so tremendous. This is what I want to say. I'm just so, I'm so excited and also humbled by the fact that my good friend is working with him and making recordings that will live forever of his heart at this very precious time in his life and his journey. And I would love to talk a little bit about what that experience has been like for you. Um, teach my listener about what has been done, what has been launched, what is yet to come and bring us into that project. Yeah. Thank you. It's what's well, been an incredible experience and very humbling and one that's still unfolding as we record this. It's about halfway uh, complete and released. So we're releasing it in four chapters, as we call them, but it's culminating into a full length. Uh, right now it's 14 tracks, an album. And that album comes out on August 9th, but uh, chapters one and two, which is essentially the first half of that, is already out. And chapter three comes out on the summer solstice June 21st. Uh, so that's coming up. And how much, how much is, what's your connection first may I ask to sort of Maharaj and Neem Karoli Baba? Well, a lot of my teachers were either devotees of his or direct students okay. of his, um, you know, at the very beginning of my teacher training in the early two thousands, I was working a lot with a crew that had Krishna Das on playing for classes during our teacher training. Where was this? <laughs> At Inner Harmony in Southern Utah, 9,000 feet up. Where's that? Where's Inner Harmony? You're talking about my back it neck is, of the woods here. I know. It's no longer. Oh. It's no longer existing. Um, it was a very special time. So Krishna Das, of course, and then all of the... Um, the reading that I did from Ram Das from the beginning yeah. until now, it's always been about Maharaji. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, I, you know, hearing Krishna Das tell these very personal stories about him. And then of course, following up because I'm the dork that I am and reading everything that I could get my hands on about everybody's experience with him, you know, even the Beatles. Yeah. Exactly. I yeah. am, I'm smitten with him. I have a couple of, you know, little trinkets with his picture that mean a great deal yeah. to me, tucked away in certain pujas around my home. Yeah. yeah he, well, I ask because, um, and I think Ramdas would say the same thing that, you know, essentially this is all through his grace. And there's a track that just came out in chapter two called Your Guru. And yes, I've heard yeah, it. Yeah. And one, one thing I was thinking about with this record was I, we, we want it to reach uh, new ears, essentially. And, broaden Ram Dass's 
messages and teachings because those teachings are so universal. And moreover, what he's talking about, it you know, we recorded it. He chose to talk about these things. So they're, they're relevant and timely now. And we have a tendency to push away wisdom in our culture, especially age. And he's 87. And this is about saying, no, this guy still has a lot to say. And it's important. And it's important to our, our the sort of the polarization that's happening right now. It's uh, I heard someone say, it was a comic actually, it was a joke, but it really made me think. She's like, I didn't think uh, when I was a kid we'd be in a civil war <laughs> at this point. Yeah, and I, basically. Yeah, and I thought about it. I was like, it is really kind of like that. It's really on the edge of ideology, a civil war of ideology and politically. Yeah. And so here we are. And what do we do? The message that Ramdas is putting out is his message that Maharaji taught him. He didn't teach him many uh, direct teachings, except for love everyone, tell the truth. That's simple and challenging. And from there, you can get into all these sort of pockets and little avenues of that. Uh, you know how he talks about in another track about identifying as loving awareness as a seat of your consciousness. And, and then in that song, showing you how to do it. Or talking about, uh, he comes again and again to the subject of the soul and the witness consciousness. And this is something yeah. we hear in other teachings, of course. But he, he, he really returns to that love again and again as a, a place of love and as a, as a solution for a lot of things. Whether it's dark thoughts or dealing with other people uh, or death. All these different things. And I just found that really beautiful. I, to be honest... He really blew me away because when I arrived uh, in his, his study in Maui, mm. it, it took mm. a lot of steps to get there. And there were a lot of hoops to walk through. And a, there were many points where someone could have said no for whatever reason. Right. Or he just wasn't feeling well, perhaps. I was there for a week, but I, I maybe he just wasn't up for it. Or he changes his mind right. or whatever. And I remember getting there and I'm setting up. And uh, and some people are there helping set up and stuff. And he and he kind of says, "Have you done this before?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, this will be you know, as a professional. I'll make this good, sir." <laughs> or whatever I was trying to mumble out. And then finally, everything's set up. I hit record, and the door is shut, and it was just the two of us in the room. And uh, mm. I, I realized that this. I was like, "Oh, this is pretty special." It felt like the spiritual White House or something. You were in the spiritual White House. Like, I was thinking about you going there, and you, you know, I, we saw each other very close to your trip, and I, I was thinking, oh my God, he's going to be in the room alone with Ramdas recording his thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. It was, wow. it was profound. And I remember looking at him, and he was just staring at me. And I thought this would be like a casual yeah. conversation, and I would just yeah. grab snippets of things. This was not casual. It was like no, staring no, no. at me. We're gazing and I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? And I look over his shoulder and on the bookshelf behind him is a picture of Maharaji laughing. Of course. Of course. Right? And then I and then I had this like this one of those moments, this like download of like Maharaji sort of saying to me, hey, he's like, dude, this is you're not you always think I'm a fly on the wall. I read the books, I'm on the outside. Mm. And I was like, no one's on the outside. And not only that, mm. I realized that Maharaji designed this and he knows who the hell I am. 
And I was like, <gasps> oh my God, my whole body. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm, I'm not separate. None of us are. And, and he was, there was this sort of like welcoming in that moment. And I looked back at Ramdas, who's still eye gazing at me, sort of nodding and smiling, like, right. Do you get it? Do you get it? <laughs> and, I, and then I just was completely floored and opened up and, um, I realized I needed to ask questions as opposed to just waiting for him because he doesn't talk much. He has a no, aphasia. No. And, right. And so I'd ask questions and then he would take the question, get his beads and get into a space and then eventually he'd start talking and he would take a long time to talk because it was a lot of work. Yeah. And yeah. he might spend a 30 minutes on a response that condensed down to one minute when I took out the pauses. Yeah. And what yeah. you hear on the record, I swear to God, is exactly what he said. I did not cut next to anything. I didn't rearrange anything. He gave me perfect poetry and responses with a beautiful opener. He blew my mind. I was like, this guy is a master. And he's been locked in this aphasia to some degree. And now inside this music, those pauses are an asset. And not only that, you don't even hear them. <laughs> You, all you hear is Ramdas coming to life as an 87-year-old Ramdas, which we haven't heard for 20 years. And then the music is like a film score. It's sort of amplifying the emotional quality of what he's saying. I never thought it would work that well. I didn't even know because I didn't know what I would get. And then I, I, I hadn't written the music. And I thought, I hope this works. You know, I, I, we'll give it a shot. But that's why I was just sort of bowing to like the grace of how it's all been unfolding. And it, it helped me to trust more how it's continuing to unfold and who works on it and so forth, because it's beyond me. That's for sure. I'm just here to like put the time in and do the work. Dude, the fact that, that you started this by honoring the fact that Maharaji has put all this together is I'm tears down my cheeks. <laughs> My whole body is tingling and vibrating. Yeah, me too. Me and too. I... and I can't say enough how the chapter one, when it came out, I couldn't listen to anything else for a week. Even now, I still go back. The I am loving awareness is in my ears at least once a day. Yeah, yeah, it's... Let me just tell the listener, it's Ram Dass Chapter 1. It's an EP by East Forest. It was made this year in 2019. Chapter 1 has the following tracks. Nature, Dark Thoughts, Mind Karma, I Am Loving Awareness, Please Pass the Bliss. And I Am Loving Awareness is definitely my favorite. Um, Katie is on it, also Krishna Das. And it, it makes me weep every time I listen to it. My voice is even shaking right now. It's so important, the work that you did and the way that you're honoring him is tremendous. Like we need, we need more of this. We need more of the, not just honoring Ramdas because we all love him so much, but honoring the elders and honoring what they have to say and honoring their aphasia and their pauses and their profundity and their absent-mindedness. All of it is part of what we have to witness and honor. So I just want to say thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's I such a never, big deal. Um, what I love about it is that he's he's standing in so much strength. It's not like we're yeah. having to cut any corners. Like, well, he's eighty-seven, and so because there was a real argument with 
uh, they were really pushing his organization for me to use old recordings. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I know why. No. I know why. Because they're very close to him as an individual and they see where he was coming from 40 years ago and the power he was in. Right. And most of us know him from his books or his talks. For me, it was a lot of his talks. And they're, they're right. fantastic. But there was something telling me intuitively that because just like when I was in the Adirondacks, all the recordings I used on my field recordings and my recordings were firsthand. I grabbed them myself. And that's why it was magical in 2009 on September 16th when I listened to that because I was listening to where I'd been and what had come to me, what was given to me. My, the, the little snippet of my mother or the little girls in this thing on Block Island or this particular bird, that's what wanted to be in it, right? That wasn't my choice. And the same thing with this. I knew, he's like, I have to go there. I said, even if I don't get any recordings, I need to look him in the eye at least and just say, nice to meet you. This is happening. That's all. This is happening. Soul to soul. Yeah. And yeah. if we get yeah. stuff, then I meant to get it. And what we got, of course... You know how many little subjects I got? 14. I got exactly <sighs> what I need for one record. Exactly. Not, wow. not a word more. We wow. didn't find that. That's just part of like, I feel like that's what was supposed to happen. And so it's worked out really nicely how I think it, it helps to cement his own relevancy. And someone who's, you know, going out of their life and they have something to say. And, uh, my vision for it was to have a real, like a nice microphone and a nice setup and to really capture that voice because the quality of that transmit a, a feeling beyond just what he's saying, the quality of his voice. And that was, a, that was a touchy subject too, because sometimes you hear the age and the feebleness and, and I love that. Right. I, oh no, that's so, that's the, that's the beauty. So it's, it's the best yeah. part. It is the best part. It's so important for us it's so important for us to listen to that and stay close to it and not be afraid. Yeah. And how cool is Ramdas who's 50,000 hours of recorded talking and some kid walks in the room, you know, I'm not a kid, but you know, that's what he sees. And you're like, yeah, listen, you're I, I want to make a record. We're still kids. I want to make a record with you. And, and most old people would be like, you know, dude, just get the old stuff and go to it. Have fun. And instead mm. he's like, he says, just says, yes, let's do it. Let's start, you know? I'm going to keep offering, keep teaching, keep going and trusting. I mean, he's the one who trusted the most. I think his devotion is driving and keeping him in a space of trusting himself that he has still something to offer of value because he's so completely devoted to his guru and to the energy of, of loving awareness that he knows that what will come out of his mouth is only going to be reflective of that devotion. And I, yeah, you're and, right. and therefore useful. Yep. And I saw someone who essentially is a man who's just done a lot of work on himself. And that's what's so inspiring about it. He's just in such a place of love mm. and we can all do that. It wasn't it wasn't um, a rarefied place that we we can't attain. From that place, I really see him taking time to just get into that that soul witness consciousness that he keeps talking about in the record to deliver these these teachings in themselves. And 
it's been profoundly beautiful. And because it's still, I'm still finishing the last couple tracks because we're trying to gather a few more featured artists, I'm still really in it. And I've just started performing it live, which has been beautiful to watch it sort of transmit into that space and listen to Ram Dass's voice over a big PA system. I mean, that's a whole nother trip. God, I can only imagine to be in a room live with you using those recordings. Yeah, like doing I Am Loving Awareness and he's booming through the system and I'm like singing on top of Christian Doss and, and playing piano with it. it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Wow. When, um, if I may, when you're doing that sort of work, is that more ceremony? Is it events? Tell us yeah. how your live work is evolving. Well, I don't know when this airs, but um, I'm doing one in New York City on April 13th. And what I'm doing right now is a, a ceremony tour. It's called East Forest Ceremony. And what it is, is it's combining concert with ceremony and ritual. And so it's, it's done in the round. And there's some co-creative elements and there's some guided uh, meditation and ceremonial elements. And the purpose of this is to break down a traditional fourth wall former on the stage and I'm there just to watch and entertain and so forth. And it's more like, what if we used this concert? Concerts can be deep for people, but what if we took it up a notch and we find ways to, uh, to make it on a scientific level too, not just a heart level, really they're sort of the same thing, but to plant seeds in your consciousness that you want to plant, to make some choices through this ceremony of this concert that's accessible to anyone, anybody can do this, but actually actually kind of does something for you positive in your life and empowers you to maybe realize some things that are going on, clear out the noise and what wants to speak to you from you. And that's what, it's been a, a bit of a laboratory been doing it for the last six months or so and I, I change mm. it as I go but it's been quite profound you know, it, it's a really beautiful experience and weaving in the Ramdas material into that mm. because that's where my work started as I was sort of saying it started in that ceremony space and I wanted mm -hmm. to not I wanted to bring that back in in a bigger way uh, but not lose the the theatrical elements and the performing elements and the you know, it, you could also just sit and watch and you'd be entertained just watching like a concert, but you could also drop in and go super deep. It's a, it's a space that, that, that would work. And I'm guiding you through that. Gosh, it was like that really by default before you even started intending for it to be this way. I think you're just getting more comfortable in the voice of, let's say, guide, teacher, facilitator, yeah. And that's now it's feeling different to you, but really it's always felt this way. It's, it's more to intentional. all of us. Yeah. With this particular yeah. entity is more intentional. And right. um, I, it's, it's just something I just felt like needed to happen. And I, I have been getting more opportunities to teach, whether it's through, you know, retreats like at Esalen or my own and stuff. But mm. I, I, I've been trying to find the synthesis with the live performance. And sometimes I felt like I was trying to fit into other people's models which, which worked, but I felt like it was missing other elements that I had to offer, like these ceremonial elements. And I've always just wanted to find ways to build those bridges and translate them into a way that is attainable to anyone and there's nothing you can argue with. There's, it's a felt experience. I mean, I, I was just in a I – hey, by the way, I was back in Dallas like last weekend. I was thinking about you because last time yes. we were just there together. 
And I was, I was doing one of these. And afterwards, this guy came up to me in his 60s, you know, Texas guy. He's like, hey, listen, my wife brought me here. I, I don't have any experience with this stuff. And uh, that was really oh, wow. cool. I really, I felt something there. I liked that. He's like, I said, well, and I said, listen, tell me honestly, you know, was this too much or did anything push you away or, you know, did you? he's like, no, it's like, I, I got it. Like, I understood what you're saying and I liked that. I really appreciated that. And it just sort of warms my heart because that's exactly who I want to hit. It's just, that's beautiful. Yeah. We, we don't want this to be like singing to the choir all the time, but the choir can be sung to maybe simultaneously. It, it worked. Was that when we were together in Dallas? Th- no, this was last weekend. Uh, oh, I did oh, one of the ceremony concerts. I was there in Austin. Got, yeah. got it. Yeah. Tremendous. Now, what I usually do, first of all, last question, are you going to be taking the ceremonies farther afield? Will you be doing more of that? Yeah. Yeah. So like this, is, I'm starting a tour on Tuesday. That's uh, through mm-hmm. the Northeast, including that New York date, Chicago, up through mm-hmm. Massachusetts, and then the whole West Coast in June. And then from there, we'll see. And I'll be in Maui for Ram Dass's retreat in the first week of May, and we'll be doing one out there as well. And, uh, just kind of seeing where it leads. Eastforest.org is where we find that schedule. Yeah, eastforest.org will link you into all that stuff, the music, touring, uh, of course, it's probably other places as well, like social media, but. Sure, sure. And uh, usually I ask my guests three questions to close us out, and I'm going to say them all, and then you could pick your favorite two. Okay. One is what in your world, and it can be you personally or your environment, what in your world needs healing right now? Two, What's your favorite view? And three, what does prayer mean to you? Mm, the first and the, the, the last. Uh, cool. What What do I need right now? Well, what needs healing what needs right healing? now? Yeah, yeah. It's complicated because sometimes, you know, what you think needs healing in your life isn't so much a phrase, but it's a feeling. Right. But I know what's being healed right now is is sort of, forgiving myself and coming out of divorce, which has been a while now and building that through relationship and uh, being okay with all of that and being okay with where I'm at and being okay with what I have to offer and being okay with the, the issues I run up against and the, that being the grist for the mill and just, and even being okay right. that stuff comes up and, Right. Being like that's that's okay and that's welcomed and I can love that as, a, as opposed to trying to push it away. And that ties into the prayer that I think I have, which is that I can bring more of that ease through myself and see it reflected in the world. Where maybe we realize that there's there's really nothing to do. What if everything being taught is sort of icing on the cake, and you don't need to be taught anything? You know, you have an inherent knowledge in you that it's okay to just just be conscious and you can trust that that could be enough for why you're here. Uh, not to excuse any of your choices. Your choices absolutely matter. I'm just saying that you don't need to be a Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's I something that. I'm, I've been trying on lately that it's just, it's all G. It's like, it's okay. And, and everything's okay, even though it's sacred and profane. Mm-hmm. No, that's beautiful. Sacred and profane. <laughs> and what does prayer mean to you? Prayer? I think prayer for me, I'll tie it into that loving awareness song because it, in some ways mm-hmm. it's, it's it getting into that space or I should say clearing away the noise so I can be in the space that is always there to be in that seat of my soul and and sort of intentionally allowing that space to emerge and intentionally cultivating it from time to time. So some people that it happens all the time, by the way, whether it's very intentional through meditation, but it can happen through extreme events like orgasm, but it can also happen just from washing the dishes or looking at your partner's eyes for a moment and, and just recognizing that seed that is the base of everything and, and, and honoring it by noticing it and cultivating mm. it. And so I think for me, that's prayer. I like to have prayer be sort of like you're saying, your whole life is ceremony that my whole life is, there's not that separation. It's a dance in and out, in a weaving from all these spaces. And it's all, it's all sacred. It's all prayer. Mm. I wonder if we should play, or if we could play, I don't even know if it's legally possible to play I Am Loving Awareness to close out this episode. Is that, is yeah, that, yeah. Is that cool? Of course, also, we, can, we can hook that up. We can we can make things happen. We're we're that old. <laughs> I love it. We're still so young, but I feel like we now can make our dreams come true in a way that really means something. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the best part about getting older is you you have more, yeah. more uh, resources, hopefully. And yeah, yeah. Creativity also and bravery, courage. Mm-hmm. you know I'm so grateful I'm so grateful for all the music I'm grateful for the song that you named after me way back when <laughs> well, had for to, Elena had to, I can't get over that still. we went through and that song being uh, yeah. used over and over and over and over and over again sort of was like yeah. well it just is now I mean yeah yeah and um that I also want to mention which I forgot to mention earlier that my art of attention meditation course as well as um the second one yeah the sec- which how about that i'm totally forgetting the name of it my is, second uh, my very own meditation course it right was now. a while ago but it's, it's <laughs> if you go to elenabrower.com slash meditation you will find both of those courses and both of them were scored by trevor a la east forest I'm so grateful that you came on. Thank you. Thank you, brother, for coming. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. I love what you're doing. Just keep doing Mm. it. Love you, brother. Thank you. you. Thanks. Thank you so much. We have to get out of our minds. thinking minds. 
I'll tell you how I do it. I'm using a mantra, a phrase. I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness.
Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 
75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.